us together. So uh, I want to invite your attention this morning to the book of Acts, uh, to chapter 2. A few weeks ago when Chris called and asked me if I would uh, speak for you all this Sunday, I explained that you're going through the book of Acts. And uh, when I first saw the, uh, the title on uh, the bulletin that Alex sent me, I, I, it says, Wildfire, Andy Baxter. And I thought, yikes. <laughs> I hope I'm not going to get blamed for that. But I like what you're doing and going through the book of Acts in looking at the work of God spreading. And the analogy of a wildfire is pretty live right now. We have uh, really good friends that live just uh, south of the Dalles, and a good bit of their wheat ranch was just whoosh up in smoke, went clear across the country. We know some of the wheat ranchers there in Grass Valley, and I'll tell you, that was a devastating thing. And so it doesn't take much imagination to be aware of what a wildfire can do and how quickly it can spread. Uh, this, uh, in talking with Chris, he asked me if I would share with you some thoughts on prayer in the book of Acts. And so I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, uh, maybe you got it on your tablet or your iPhone, whatever. Find Acts chapter 2, and if you're a visitor here and need a Bible, you'll find one of the uh, Bibles there under uh, the, the seat. Um, the, on page 772 will help you find that. It's in the second half of the book, page 77, uh, 772. Acts 2.42 says... They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer, literally, to the prayers. Now, we want to focus this morning on prayer, but I want to remind you that the life of the church is, it's a package. Prayer doesn't happen in a vacuum. Bible teaching doesn't happen in a vacuum. Fellowship cannot happen in a vacuum. And participating in meals together, and especially the Lord's Supper. It's all a part of a whole. It's a holistic. And I want to use that as a reminder today. It's holistic. It's not compartmentalized. Now, the reason I'm uh, uh, sharing this with you today in the context of coming to the Lord together, I, I want you to imagine what it's like coming to the dinner table. And I use this analogy because one of my sons called me long distance from Massachusetts where he's a pastor and he said, Dad, I just got to share this insight with you. And he's a theologian rhetorician. Uh, that's a guy that talks about communication, um, even though he's hard to communicate with sometimes. Anyway, uh, he was working on this and he said, have you ever thought that the Trinity is constantly in conversation. There's dialogue going on there. Our Trinitarian God communicates. And I'm going, yeah, that's pretty good. It's not as if God spoke way back in the beginning and then He's been sitting back being quiet waiting for something to happen. God continually speaks. In fact, there's some pretty good theological work done on God speaking continues to keep us in our very existence. We are told in the New Testament that everything holds together because Christ, by the power of His Word, 
keeps it together. So a conversing God is very important to have in your mind. Now, um, coming to the dinner table, what if God invited you right now to come and enjoy dinner with Him? Would you feel a little intimidated? I mean, here's the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit conversing. At first I think, who, man, who, me? I don't know if I had to chip in here or not. Well, my son reminded me of a time when he was, uh, oh, probably about fifth, fifth or sixth grade. We had friends over for dinner, and, uh, you know, the adults were having their conversation going on. And Nate was pretty dialed in, and uh, both of our boys have always been real interactive with us, and we're very grateful for that. Anyway, he uh, happened to say something, and it just struck me as really fitting in to what the big people were talking about. And I said, whoa, that's a great insight. Man, and so then we went on talking about that. And he said that he felt 10 feet tall because he had been welcomed into the conversation at the table. Now, I want you to think of prayer in that same way. Prayer is God inviting us into His conversation. It's not showing up and telling God what to do, by the way. A lot of times I start off praying and I say, Well, Lord, you know, where I'm sitting and looking, things are kind of getting in disarray over here. You better work on this, or you better fix somebody. Have you ever asked God to fix you? (laughs) I found that pretty wonderful things happen when I ask Him to fix me. And so that's part of joining in this conversation. And God invites us to do that. And so think about it. Now, what are the main topics of conversation at the Lord's table? Uh, I think that's a very important thing for us to know. Well, first of all, we know from Scripture that one of the main topics of conversation is the whole subject of creation. Creation. We find in Genesis 1 that even before God made things... He said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. You see, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit talked that over. And I believe they still have that conversation going on, because what does the New Testament tell us? When we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, God makes us a new, what is it? Yeah? It's okay for you to talk. Don't be afraid of me, all right? He makes us a new creation. A new creation in Christ Jesus. You see, God's still up to it. And He's still interested and even joyfully making new creation in Christ Jesus. That's when a person puts their hands, their faith in the hands of God. Now, When we talk about God making new creation, that brings up the second big topic of conversation among the Trinity, and that is redemption. Redemption and reconciliation. Now, where do we get that idea that the Trinitarian God is talking about redeeming his fallen creation? Well, right there in Genesis uh, chapter 3, we see the very first promise that God is going to send someone to crush the head of the serpent that had brought uh, downfall into God's lovely creation. 
And we find at the end of the book, in the book of Revelation, that God is planning a new creation because He has redeemed all things unto Himself in Christ Jesus. Now that's a pretty exciting topic. But I don't know if we ever get too revved up about that. We think, well, everything's just going along and running down. I've got good news for you. God's in control. And God is redeeming mankind and planet Earth. I like what one of my favorite theologians said one time. He said, uh, uh, when Christ returns, that's not the end of the world said that's really the beginning because God has purpose to make a new heaven and a new earth and he's redeeming all things unto himself in Christ Jesus so keep that in mind and of course that refers specifically to people so when we come and join in the conversation with God and pray that he would redeem a person that we love and care about we're dialed into the conversation we're talking about what God himself is really interested in doing. And don't be surprised if God says, great idea, why don't you go share some truth with them? Go pray with them. Just bring God into the conversation. You don't have to give them the whole nine yards like the, the uh, preacher that went and preached to one person. One old cowboy showed up and so afterwards the preacher went and stood at the back of the church building and before he had to ride on to his next uh, assignment as a circuit rider. And so he says to this cowboy, I'm, I'm sure you guys have heard this anyway, he says to this cowboy, he says, well, how'd you like the sermon? The cowboy says, you know, when I go out to feed cattle and only one shows up, I don't give them the whole load of hay. <laughs> well, you don't have to give the whole load of hay to somebody. Just give them seeds of the gospel. Bring God into the conversation and let God do His work because God is redeeming all things. And even our, our work is God redeeming some dimension of our life and of those with whom we interact. I want you to think of being God's redeemed people joyfully walking about as His redemptive agents. Whatever you're doing, God can be active in redeeming things unto himself, unto his glory. And then the third topic is unity. The unity that God wants us to enjoy as his people. The same kind of unity that there is within the Trinity. Jesus prayed for this in that great prayer in John chapter 17. When uh, he said, uh, Father, I pray that they may be one even as we are one, so that the world might know that you have sent me. You know, one of the reasons a lot of people have a hard time believing that the gospel is true is because believers are not living in a unified relationship of love. Now, it doesn't mean we're all cookie cutters, we all think alike, no. But it means that when it comes to being believers, we can love one another. Because of who Jesus is. Listen, if Jesus can love so-and-so and so-and-so, who do I think I am that I shouldn't love them? If God can forgive that person, can I forgive them? You see, that's all part of coming together. And that's a prayer of the Lord Jesus. That's a big conversation. 
at the Lord's table. Now, uh, turn in your Bibles now to Acts chapter 4. I want to give you a, an example of this very thing going on. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John had just returned to fellowship with the other believers right after they had really been balled out by the, the officials there in Jerusalem about teaching in the name of Jesus. And that came right after they had healed that lame man that sat at the beautiful gate into the temple area. And so they come, and uh, in chapter 4, beginning verse 23, uh, they come and they tell their story about what had happened. Listen to what God says. When they had been released, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord. There's unity and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that's in them. What's the conversation they're dialing into there? What is it? You got it. What is it? Creation. Creation. Exactly. You are the creator, therefore you own everything. We're glad to appeal to you, because you know what you're doing. He says... Verse 25, who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of of our father David, your servant, said, why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you appointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. Now, what were they talking about? They were talking about the murder of Jesus, the Son of God. And they said, you know, God, you're the creator, sustainer of everything. We know that didn't catch you by surprise at all. And that's why we want to just call out to you. Because you are a God who is not only the creator, you are a God who will go to any extreme to redeem people. That's what they're referring to here. And so they pray on. Um, Verse 29, And now, Lord, take note of their threats, and grant grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal, and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Do you know what was happening here? This is an incendiary outburst. Why? Because they dialed into the conversation that the Trinity really is interested in. They appealed to the Creator, the Redeemer, and they were all together in this. And they said, we want to get in on what you are doing, Lord. And so they weren't ashamed to talk about it. Too many times we think that life of the church is about what we're doing. i got news for you. If you're just doing church, you're missing the whole thing. God wants us to be church. He wants us to be His people who engage in the 
the apostles' teaching of this. This is where we come next. We're going to come back now to uh, Acts 2.42 and take a look a little closer at these elements that make up the holistic life of the church. And God wants us to, to touch base with the basics in, uh, regularly in such a way that we stay on track with His purpose. Now in Acts 2.42... As, as we come to join in the conversation, how do we do that? Well, he tells us. They continued steadfastly. Notice they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves. That just means they were really intent on doing this. Have you ever wondered how one of those uh, NBA basketball players, is, here he's coming into a really tight situation. It's the playoffs. or one second on the clock, he's been going in for a shot, and uh, gets fouled, and he goes to the line. One second. And they step up there just as calm as can be, and they step back, and, and they win the game. They didn't get there just all at once. That's because they have devoted themselves to practicing putting that ball through the hoop. They shoot thousands and thousands of free throws. And that's why they can do it under pressure. God wants us to be devoted to Him, to pay attention to His Word so that when we need it, it's there. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to sweat it. The Holy Spirit just brings it forth uh, from our hearts where we've treasured it up. So they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. When you come to a worship service here at Trinity, what do you anticipate? What do you anticipate happening? Well, I hope the music's good today. Uh, do you, uh, well, I hope my friend so-and-so's there. I want to challenge you to come to worship with this attitude, the attitude of the little boy Samuel. When he wasn't too sure what was happening to him there while he was working with Eli in the temple, remember how the Lord spoke to him, called out, Samuel, Samuel. And the little boy got up, ran to Eli and says, yes, what is it you want? Well, after a couple of times of doing this, of course, Eli thought, ooh, you know, that might be the Lord. When you come to fellowship here, if you're paying attention, the Lord might say something to you. Would that be scary? I hope not. I now come to the Word of God. I come to fellowship with other people with this attitude. And again, you've got to practice doing this. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Or do you come and say, Boy, that pastor sure didn't do his homework. That was the dumbest illustration he used. How come he didn't explain this that I know right here? He skipped clumb over it. Is that what you're doing? Well, I can tell you, you're not listening for God to say anything to you. So speak, Lord, thy servant is listening. We'll learn to think God's thoughts after him and become transformed by interacting with the teaching of the Word of God. Uh, come uh, as you... Uh, interact with other believers in Bible classes and home groups and so forth. Uh, 
you begin to come to a shared view of what is and what's important. It's called your worldview. You begin to understand the way things really are because there's a world system that wants to lie to you coming and going. Okay? God gives us His Word to teach us how to live life for His glory. So cultivate a hunger for the Word. And then the fellowship. The fellowship is, uh, I'm sure you've heard this about uh, the word koinonia and, and so forth, and that's wonderful. It means, uh, I like fellowship, is one or more fellows in the same ship, especially when you're out on the lake, you know, rowing on a nice quiet lake and trolling. You have fellowship. But what it's really getting to is the concept of sharing of life. It's just life. It's not something when you put on the coffee pot and get out the cookies and then you go have fellowship and leave. No. Fellowship is a way of life and it happens when you have coffee or even if you don't. I don't know how real fellowship could happen without it, but then that's just my thing, okay? Uh, You've got to have a little coffee, something to, to enjoy together. But it's sharing your life. Uh, this word is used in the classical uh, Greek, the New Testament language, Uh, to describe uh, what goes on in a marriage. There's the give and take. You're the sharing of life together because you're committed together. There's a a unity and a a growing sharing of a worldview. Another aspect of fellowship that is so important in the body of Christ, folks, and this, this has a lot to do with the Word of God and fellowship and prayer and taking meals together. Um... Some people talk about Christians needing to be uh, transparent. Well, if I was transparent, you could see right through me. I wouldn't even be here. The trouble with the use of that term is transparency often takes on a dimension of, I will open my life and let you see what I want you to see. I will tell you stories about my life with God that make me look good. But there's a dimension, uh, and I like this term, authentic. Authenticity is when I don't hide my life. You have freedom to ask me to mess around in my life and find out what's going on. And you have freedom to speak into my life. You have the freedom, like one of my uh, good friends in a church I pastored for a long time, he used to come up to me and he would uh, often catch me right in the aisle. And he would come up and he would look at me and he'd get right eye to eye and he'd say, how are you doing? No, I'm fine. Why'd you ask, Bruce? I ask you, how are you doing? You don't seem yourself today. Woo! He had a take on my life and he knew he had freedom to talk to me about it. That's what God is talking about when it comes to uh, the fellowship of the saints that He wants us to enjoy. That doesn't come overnight, but it comes in time when we pay attention, listening to the Word of God together and practicing what God says. I think one of the best dimensions of fellowship is uh, what I like to call practicing the one another's of Scripture. You know, there are different counts. Some people say 52 in the New Testament. Do this, do that, for with, and for one another. 
Um, Jesus said the new commandment that uh, this is talk about raising the bar. God told people to love their neighbor as himself. Jesus says, you love one another as I love you. Woohoo! Talk about raising the bar. You know, can I love you like Jesus loves you? Would I lay down my life for you? Would you lay down your life for me? You see, this is raising it to a different level. And we can only do that by the grace of God, His power working in us, making us willing and able to do what He says. So love one another. That's the new commandment that Jesus gives us. Another one another is wonderful is to bear one another's burdens. That's part of true fellowship. To encourage one another. And there in First Thessalonians 5, 11, the concept is not only encourage one another, but build each other up one-on-one. It gets real specific there. Uh, James, uh, the, the brother of Jesus, said this. Confess your sins one to another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Do you think that the world we live in right now is the same world that's described in the Bible? Just go like this. Yeah, it is. It's the same world. God is the same. Jesus is the same. Nothing's changed. People are still people. The way we get around and the gizmos we use and so forth are different. But it's the same world. And in the world described in the New Testament... Sometimes God would just up and heal somebody. We don't see a whole lot of that. You ever wonder why? Maybe it's because we're too intent on harboring our sin because we're afraid somebody's going to get into our life and mess around with it. Well, I'll tell you what, if I've had a lot of people confess sin to me and I've confessed my sins to people that I trust. And you know what happens? We pray that God will do something in those people's lives. God does something in my life. You know, in the Reformation, there was a great recapturing, and we Baptists love to talk about this. The priesthood of the believer. Have you ever heard that? I'm sure you have. The individual priesthood of the believer. I mean, we don't need to go between to go to God. We have the Lord Jesus. But part of a priestly ministry is to speak to others on behalf of God and to speak to God on behalf of other people. Now, just ride with me here a little bit. I think our Catholic friends are on to something. Not that they go to the priest to get forgiveness for their sins, but they practice confession. And I'm talking about it in the context of the gospel. We bring the gospel to bear. My wife and I were at a conference once in Denver, and I, uh, there was something going on in my life. I just needed to ask God to forgive me. I needed to ask another person to forgive me, but that person was gone, and I could never get to him again. There was a speaker at the conference that all of a sudden rang my bell as being like this guy that I had sinned against. So I asked him if he would have a cup of coffee with me the next morning. We did, and we sat there and visited a little bit. And he said, what do you need to talk to me about? 
And so I just confessed the sin I had committed against this other man. And he looked at me and he said, I remind you in the name of Jesus, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, your sin is forgiven. See, he wasn't forgiving me. He was reminding me of the truth of the gospel that God forgives. Do you see the difference here? We need to practice this kind of one another fellowship. And it's a wonderful thing the way it begins to strengthen our relationships together. One of the aspects of a place where the Holy Spirit is really in control, where He's reigning, is that relationships on the horizontal and on the vertical become strong. People are accepting of one another. You're welcome. You don't have to conform to a dress standard or a certain behavioral way in order to be welcome. Jesus wasn't that way. At the feeding of the 5,000, I dare to say there were a lot of people there that hadn't taken a shower, probably didn't have on their perfume. It didn't bother them. Jesus welcomes anyone who wants to get to him. And then there was the breaking of bread. Um, That means just simply enjoying meals together. And it also has the element of sharing the Lord's Supper. Back in the first century, the Jews uh, often would have a meal in which they would dedicate a portion right at the beginning. They would acknowledge the presence of God at the dinner table. And Jesus taught that this very beginning of a meal can be a participation in worship of Him. Uh, The breaking of the bread... That's the way the meal began. And it was a dedication of the people and them themselves to God. And so this is what's described here. People were willingly sharing their resources, their food, other necessities. And doing this at a meal is powerful. Do you know why airlines, well, used to regularly serve meals, now they serve peanuts or whatever. Uh, no, they can't serve peanuts anymore. Uh, Anyway, little snacks. You know why they do that? Because they know that when people are eating, they're calm. Usually. You ever try eating when you're just hopping mad? Well, things curdle, at least for me. It doesn't work. Uh, So we get together and we fellowship. Think about how many times Jesus taught profound truth at a meal. A lot of his kingdom parables... He taught at the meal time. He did some profound teaching around a dinner table. Uh, Martin Luther discovered the power of this. And one of the reasons that the Reformation really caught hold and took off like a wildfire back in the 1500s in Europe was the fact that he would do table talks. He would invite his students to come and join him at the table. And they would talk about life and how the Word of God fit in to life. Now, Jesus, uh, I think Jesus is the one that invented good table talk. Uh, Turn in your Bibles or uh, maybe in your tablet, however you access the Scriptures, uh, to John chapter uh, 15. Just real quickly, I want to run you through this uh, before I introduce you to a a little practice session. Uh, We're going to shoot some free throws today. No harm, no foul. Okay, but we're going to practice something very important in just a minute. 
Here in John chapter 15, beginning at verse 12, Jesus said this, This is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. Now keep in mind, this is the last supper. This is the night before he went to the cross. Chapters 13 through 17 of John describe the time around the Lord's table when they were all invited to join in the conversation with Jesus. He says, Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. He said, You are my friends if you do what I command you. Now get this, Jesus says, I love you. Therefore, love one another. He said, You are my friends. Therefore, trust and do what I say. Is a true friend going to ask you to do something that's going to kill you? Well, I hope not. If so, you better check your friends, okay? But Jesus says, You are my friends. And then notice what he says in verse 16. Or 15. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. And you did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. Do you want your life to make a difference? Do you want your life to count for eternity? This is how you do it. You dial in with Jesus, pay attention to what he's teaching here at the table, listen to his word, get engaged, he says, and that your fruits should remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. That's prayer. Jesus is teaching that we should love one another, that we should engage in his redemptive plan, and that we should have a kind of unity where we love one another and our life really counts for Him. Now, um, having talked a little bit about prayer, um, we're going to take a minute to do that. That won't hurt anybody. So here's what I want to ask you to do. I'm going to give you some uh, coaching lessons, okay? And remember, this is free throws. It's uh, practice, no harm, no foul. There's no... Uh, good, bad, or otherwise here. Nobody's going to blow a whistle at you. But what we're going to do is I want to ask you to get into groups of uh, three to five, okay? Just go ahead and do that. Uh, Some of you may need to get up and move. Uh, If you're by yourself, just pop up and go sit with somebody else, okay? Uh, Get in groups of uh, three to five, and uh, we're going to practice praying the Scriptures. Now, this may be a new exercise for some of you. Uh, if it pushes your comfort zone, it's okay. Don't, don't be offended. You don't have to do this, all right? But I want to invite you to do it. If you give it a whirl, you'd be surprised what would happen, okay? Here, uh, Cheryl, invite... Uh, I'm sorry, I forgot your name. You told me your name earlier. Yes, freedom. Okay. Um, so, so get together so you can pray together. Now, turn in your scriptures... Um, to Ephesians chapter 3. And this is a prayer that the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write down for us. And one of the ways that we learn to pray and enter into God's conversation with Him is to pay attention 
to the Word of God and especially to prayers. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read this passage, and you follow along in your Bibles as I read it. And then we're going to take about five minutes or so, and I want to ask you, as you look at this passage together in your group, that each of you uh, just thank God for what you see in this passage. I'm going to give you a clue. Watch for the Trinity. They show up everywhere in the Scriptures. Okay? But thank God for something you see here. And we're going to uh, spend a little time doing that. And then after a few minutes, uh, Vonette's going to play a little musical interlude. And that's a signal for you to begin to kind of wrap up your prayer time. Okay? All right, I'm going to read it through. And you pay attention. And then you use your open Bibles as you're praying together. And remember, please keep it short because other people want to pray. You know, you don't need to do your whole devotional exercise at this. But just practice this, okay? Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up with all the fullness of God. Do you see anything in there to thank God for? Okay, Uh, over to you. Just pray together. Okay, did any of you uh, find some things to thank God for in there? Some of you are having a hard time quitting, so you can pick that up later, okay? Uh, Now on this second uh, practice session here, 
I want to invite you to, uh, since you've looked at this passage, you've listened to it, you've prayed into it a little bit, uh, to uh, pray for one another in, the, in your group and just keep it short. Maybe one person uh, pray like I could uh, pray for Cheryl. Lord, uh, would you uh, fill Cheryl with the full knowledge of your love? I could do that uh, and then someone else could pray. Okay? You understand how to do this? Just look at this. And there are things that the Holy Spirit prompted the Apostle to write down for us so that we can ask God that He would grant to another person uh, to be strengthened with power in His Spirit. Okay? Those kinds of things. All right? Uh, Back to you. Pray. Now to him who is able to do far abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to his power that works within us, to you, O God, our creator, our redeemer, the one who brings us unity by your spirit, be glory at Trinity Baptist Church in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thank you.